Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first full episode of the Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, the first ever show, we have someone who is really, really, really special to me. He's a guy that stepped up during a time in my life that was, frankly, very scary scariest time of my life, to be honest, and helped me navigate the new medical unknowns I was now facing. On January 15, 2016, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was shocked, scared. You name the negative emotion, I had it. Navigating my personal life was one concern, but figuring out how to manage my professional life as a leader of a growing company, that was a totally different challenge. And frankly, it was really intimidating. Enter Dan Urshan, a thriving business leader in the Milwaukee community who just happened to have MS as well. I reached out for advice after learning about his story. He obliged, and we've stayed in touch since. In my time getting to know Dan, I started to realize the amazing culture he was building at the company he was leading and how it was all rooted in the idea of servant leadership. So let's get into a little bit more about Dan. Dan is the owner of Wisconsin Metal Parts, a contract manufacturer of metal parts and assemblies. Early in his career, Dan worked at a number of small to mid-sized manufacturing companies before founding Die Concepts, Inc. in 1998, which eventually became Wisconsin Metal Parts. Dan has co-founded two other companies along the way, Die Makers Manufacturing, Inc. and Lean Manufacturing Products, Inc., As you'll learn through our conversation, Dan has battled MS throughout his entire adult life, a journey that has shaped his outlook both as a business owner and as a person in general. Dan resides in Pewaukee, Wisconsin with his wife, Bonnie, is an incredible photographer, and may or may not have already finished three Ironmans and has those under his belt, which just blows my mind. As you'll find out, Dan is a heavy hitter, and today we've got him on the show. So Dan, welcome. It's great to have you and hoping you could open by just telling us a little bit about Wisconsin Metal Parts, what you do, how long you've been in business, kind of the back of the baseball card, so to speak. Thanks, John. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So as far as Wisconsin Metal Parts go, I started out of my basement, 1988, got to a point where I said to my wife, you know, either, you know, you're going to stay home with the kid or I'm going to stay home with the kid. We had our first child. So it ended up being me. I stayed home with Samantha for the first year and a half of her life and started with die concepts at the time out of my basement, just designing stamping dies. A year and a half later, my wife was ready to stay home with Samantha and, and raise her. And I says, fine, that's, we'll just continue on with this then because we had a client base and it was start, you know starting to get going and stuff. So through the years, we you know grew the company. Today, we have about 135 people and I've really surrounded myself with good people People give me a lot of credit for building the business, but it really isn't me. It's the people that I surrounded myself with through the journey of living with MS and trying to, you know, beat it. I mean, twice in my life with the MS part of it, 
I'm mean, like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't feed myself one, you know, for quite a while. So I had to be fed and everything else. So the MS actually helped me become who I am and realize the importance of people and how you treat people and, you know, what their needs are as far as, uh, I mean, I knew what my needs were is that, you know, maybe I'll get walking again and, and stuff. And, and the people really stepped up. The servant leadership model was one that we came across. I always did business honor and golden rule, just do unto others as you want others to do unto you. And then I, I read a book by James C. Hunter called The Servant. I got it right around here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And that was, you know, kind of a little bit of a story of, you know, people come together, you know, for a uh, seminar, you know, type of, or it wasn't seminar, it was more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a retreat almost. Yeah, like a retreat or whatever. But then I looked into, well, what else does uh, James C. Hunter have out there? And he's got an audio program that basically, you know, kind of teaches servant leadership and what the roots of it are, what the basis of it is and everything like that. And, and it's like, well, after you live, you know, try to live by the golden rule and do unto others as you want others to do unto you, he put it together so elegantly that we just use that as our training, you know, you know in our company. And that part really kind of, you know, he made it easy for us to bring that to the whole company. And and the servant leadership, when you look at leadership in a manufacturing company, there can be a lot of different personalities and there can be a lot of different ways to lead people. Some people want to lead by powers, you know, it's my way or the highway type of a thing. And the servant leader, you know, I, you know, me as a leader, you know, I was really kind of adamant that we need to have a common leadership style, something that we can live by, something that we can be proud of, something that we can be proud to ever have our kids working there under that type of a leadership. And so the servant leadership fit that model. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that's the way all leadership should be. So I think servant leadership is one of those things that it's pretty obvious what the idea of servant leadership is just from the title. Give me your definition of servant leadership. What does that look like for your team? What does that look like for the day-to-day of the the people in the shop or just the company in general? What is servant leadership at Wisconsin Metal Parts? So we took it as far as even creating our logo based around the servant leadership. Oh, wow. And the logo basically is the upside down triangle because that's what servant leadership is. I mean, the leaders are here to serve the people. The people are here to serve the customers. Realistically, it's our people on the top of the triangle, not on top of the pyramid, not me or the, you know, the management team or anything like that. We're all here to serve the people. Again, the people are the closest to the customer because they're the ones doing the work for the customer. They're the ones meeting the due, due dates. They're the ones doing it on time or with the right quality standards and, and things. So, so they really are the closest to our customers. So the, so the model fits, the, you know, the pyramid fits. And each of us leaders in the company are here to serve the next people. I guess, you know, the, the standard corporate world is people come to work to keep their boss happy. Well, to me, that's just totally backwards. The bosses should be coming to work to help to keep the people happy. Any way that we can make their job easy, that's what we should be doing as leaders. The power style leadership, you know, is very prevalent in industry. But to me, it just doesn't work. And I, you know, I wouldn't even know how to do that. Anymore, you know, I think that is a concept that really resonated with me. 
And frankly, it was a concept. You were the one who recommended I, I get the book and I check it out. I'll never forget. I was in my, I'm, I'm working from home now, as many of us do. I was in our office working whenever I first talked to you and I was scared as can be. And I think a big concern of mine was, okay, it's one thing navigating these personal relationships, friendships, how will people look at me? How will, and, and what I've realized is nobody looks at me any differently. I, I don't think, but you have, you go through all these thoughts, but what will dating relationships look like? What will, but, but then there was this whole, well, hold on a second. I'm trying to build a company as well. Are my people going to think I'm weak? Are my people going to think I'm, and we talked and that's where this idea of servant leadership, that seed was planted in my head. And it was such an interesting perspective to me because I think a lot in my life, I had always thought incorrectly. And maybe there are some applications where you do need that boss that is pushing you. And not that you don't still push your people. I'm not saying that, but but maybe a little bit more aggressive. But if you hire the right people, and we'll get into hiring a little later, if you bring the right talent into your organization, I've started to realize these people all can do their job way better than I could ever do it. Why would I do anything other than just make their day and their environment and everything from their work setup and their desk setup to how their calendars manage, whatever, why would I create any friction there whatsoever? It's such a brilliant concept. It's fun when you surround yourself with people smarter than you, isn't it? It's sadly, it's not hard, hard, hard for me. This, this is something that has come up on other podcasts I've been involved with, whatever. But I'm like, you know, it's not hard to do. But it's similar to having MS, right? When you have MS, you have a team of caretakers, you have a team of support, uh, family, friends, and that communal sense. I think as humans, we're naturally we're meant to be part of communities. And so that communal sense of surrounding yourself with other people that are going to help you or going to help lift you up, you're going to help lift them up whenever you can. I mean, I think it's just kind of innate to who we are as humans. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, too, is that being humble, I think, is a gift. Having a chronic illness like MS certainly brings you, you know, to humility pretty quickly. Real fast. Yeah, and that part of it, you know, you realize how important other people really are in your life. When you you can't walk or you can't feed yourself, you're kind of dependent upon other people to to help you out. And then when you start recovering from that a little bit, like I was very fortunate enough to be able to do, you kind of naturally appreciate people a whole lot more than if you don't go through some of those challenges of getting your mobility taken away from you. And absolutely, I, I was 33 years old. I'm sure as you can remember as clear as day, the day you get diagnosed. And I thought I was on top of the world at the time, had had a, a business that was growing. I was young. I, I had, I was single, not that singles being on top of the world, but I didn't have kids. I had money. Like thank, life seemed to be going pretty well. And all of a sudden you're given this news. It's a pretty scary diagnosis. And all of a sudden you're right. That you're humbled very, very, very quickly, which I think is healthy. Looking back, it's been a major blessing in my life because it has made me understand the importance of surrounding myself with good people, especially in the workplace, of surrounding myself with people who I know are going to do unto to others as they would want done unto them. It's been a blessing in a lot of ways, but it's a scary lesson to learn. It, it's a tough way to learn a really important lesson. Let's put it that way. 
Yep. And there's a lot of, you know, people too, when you talk to them a little bit, you know, like other business owners, you talk to them a little bit about servant leadership and, and they just can't get their head wrapped around that. You know, it's like, well, if you entrust people and you empower people and you allow them to do their job, guess what? They get pretty good at it. If you have to have them coming to you all the time and say, you do this, you do that, you do this and do it this way. It's like, well, now you're limited to growth by the amount that you can control. And I don't like to be limited to growth. I don't like to see our you know, our company limited to growth. I, I would rather empower people and trust people and you know allow them to personally grow right along with us and then share. There's a concept we've talked about in the past, the idea of hiring for character, training for skill. Exactly. I think that's exactly what you're talking about here, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, and that's, you know, James C. Hunter, he, he drives that home pretty well in his books and in his seminar and, and things like that, too. And it's like, well, there's just so much truth to that, that, you know, you hire for character, somebody that you know that has the passion to do the job and the ability and and wants, you know, wants to do the job, you know, they can do the job. <laughs> we can train them to do the job if they really want to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's some of the most talented folks I've brought on at, at Gorilla have not come from within the industry. I always tell people what we're doing in marketing, it's not rocket science. I am not belittling the people who do the job day in and day out because it, it it is a skill, but you can learn it. Certainly certain types of people in certain ways that certain types of people think can maybe grow a little faster. But our HR lead right now, our uh, employee success, success executive, she was a checker at the local Trader Joe's, but I watched her interact there with people day in and day out and how kind she was, not day in and day out. I went in twice because she had applied for the job and I kind of wanted to see how she interacted with people. And this was when we were all wearing masks, right? So you could like get away and people wouldn't know who you were. It'd be eight o'clock at night when if it were me checking people out, I probably would have been as crabby as can be. And here she is. She's like, oh, if you like you like these chocolates, well, you got to make sure you try these chocolates because you'll love those. And I just saw someone who really wanted to try to give the customers the best experience possible. So I thought, well, if she's doing this for people coming through buying chocolates at the checkout, she's surely going to take care of the people within our small company. And she has completely blossomed in this role. And again, I think that's an example of that was the character that was jumping out the skill. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think she would be the first to, to tell you, at least would tell you like, I, I didn't really know HR, like, but she's gone through the courses now she's learned that side of it, but that character is not like that willingness to help. And that drive to want to help people that you can't teach. I mean, you can teach, but getting it to actually stick with someone is a much different, different challenge. Tell me about your hiring process at Wisconsin Metal Parts. And, and I know probably at this point, a lot of that has been delegated to others, but you still are the, the person seeing everything from 10,000 feet. Yeah, probably quite a few years, five, six years ago, maybe seven years ago, we decided to finally hire somebody to help hire and help be the HR person, you know, at Wisconsin Metal Parts. And uh, Crin, you know, kind of, stuck with me for, you know, two, three years with all of the interviews that we did and everything like that. And she got to the point where she really got pretty good at hiring for character and, you know, knowing that we can train this person. And and she really, you know, 
we look for trustworthy people, you know, honest, trustworthy, hardworking, smart people. That's kind of really what we look for. If we can get that in the door, then we know we've got a good culture that, you know, they'll more than likely stick with us. And um, we put a lot of energy into that culture so that we don't have to keep retraining people and, and things. So what are you seeing in terms of the newer, for lack of a better term, the newer crop of new people coming in? Are you seeing young people interested in in the space or is this an area that we need to be, fo- I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but is this an area we need to be focusing more on educating people at a younger age about careers in manufacturing or talent, uh, tool and die making? Yeah. And the way I look at it is people in my grandma and grandpa's generation, you know, they were lazy people. They were hardworking people that, you know, they were there in that generation. I look at my parents' generation, hardworking people, lazy people, you know, they were, they were there too. You look at this generation, sure, we got some lazy people and we also have some really hardworking that people that are driven and really want to pursue a career and, and do something. So from generation to generation, you know, I look at it as that we still got to pick and choose. <laughs> we still, we still got to, yeah. I think from the manufacturing perspective and from as far as educating people about what career opportunities there are in manufacturing, let's just say the media, everybody has lost track of that. It's a lost opportunity where there's phenomenal opportunities in manufacturing. And a lot of people, even after they go to their four-year college and stuff like that, somehow they end up back in manufacturing, but that really wasn't their vision of you know where they're, where they're heading because that's where the jobs are. As we go forward and we want to bring people you know, want to bring jobs back in manufacturing and and things like that. We we got to have people, and that's a sticking point right now because that's really what's holding the growth of a lot of ma- a lot of good manufacturing companies is being able to develop these people fast enough. If we could develop them faster, that's one thing. But but we're at a point now where you know we have to educate the whole industry. That there are careers in, oper- in in manufacturing, and they're good careers. They're good they're, careers. They're great careers, yeah. And that part of it is we're kind of we're on our own, you know. <laughs> so it's, so we we really need you know some help with the whole community to to realize that. So we start all the way back at the grade school level. I mean, we we try so to so smart. Yeah, we try to get grade school, uh, middle school, basically try to get tours through our place at the you know at an early age, and then at the high school and level, the kids probably love it. First of all, it's a day out of school if it's a field trip. But on top of it, they're probably fascinated by it. Some are, some, some are, some aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some are in the back of the, you know, back of the thing and picking their nose, paying attention. Yeah. But we get those four or five that really dig in. We'll put our emphasis on those four or five and really try to create a great experience through the tour with them. And then we'll invite those four or five back afterwards. You know, have your parents come in. Bring you know, bring your parents in. You know, let's show your parents what we're all doing here. And then at the high school level, we kind of engage in this dual enrollment program where the high school students can, they can be enrolled at high school and they can be enrolled at WCTC, which is Waukesha County Technical College here. And then they can also work while they're going to school. So it really is an earn while you learn program from the high school level. So, and there's opportunities, you know, granted, there might not be the highest skilled opportunities right off the bat, but there's opportunities that they can do and they can learn what part of manufacturing would you like to do? But that's no different than working in an 
a marketing agency, right? Like you don't start off in the C-suite. You don't start out doing the big job. You got to put your time in. And this is a common theme. Obviously, you know this, you work in the space, but that was kind of the genesis for this podcast in the first place was all of our clients, we are hearing often, we can't find people. Once we get them, it's hard to retain them. It's a very big challenge right now. And it's when I think back to when I was in high school, going to shop class or learning a trade, sadly, very, very sadly now looking back, it was looked down upon. Everyone is expected that was go get your four-year degree. And those are great directions too. But the number of people I see coming out of a four-year university now with debt that they're now going to be facing until they're in their mid thirties, forties. And then I have, there's a, a young man that I do a lot of duck hunting with. He's learning welding. Those jobs straight out of school are pretty nice. Really nice. Actually. I do think that maybe the times are changing a bit, hopefully, because these are such important jobs. It's the backbone of our American economy. To me, I think it would be very rewarding work. I mean, you're getting to work on a lot of times you're working with something tangible, something you can touch and feel and see and know what it's going out in the world to do. There's a lot of work in the informational space that there's a lot of projects I work on that I don't know whatever happens. So anyway, kind of on a tangent there. Tell me about switching gears to core values. This is something we're really big on at Gorilla. They drive everything we do. Yours are purpose, passion, and pride, correct? Yeah. How did you find those? How are, or how did you unearth those, I guess? How are they used? How do they kind of drive your business just on the day-to-day? So we actually hired an executive coach for our management team. Jerry Fonz, he came in and you know kind of got us all together. He had a whole process of going through to try to develop the values that we can live by, you know, not just values that we can put on the wall and talk about. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, these are values that we can live by. And he kind of had some guidelines that, you know, we don't want 12. We kind of want, again, something that's really meaningful to each of. So it was a group effort that we go off in these little breakout sessions and come back and we came back. We kind of talk about what we talked about and, you know, and then we, you know, kind of compare it. And, and at the end of the session, you know, we came up with purpose. What is our purpose? You know, why are we here? What, why are we doing this? What drives us every day? And then the pride part of it, which, you know, again, in manufacturing and contract manufacturing, we got to be proud of what we're doing. You know, I mean, all the way through the whole place. Absolutely. And, yeah. And then the passion is like, you know, you got to want to, you know, <laughs> you just got to want to do this. You know, I mean, we're not here. You know, if, you, if somebody wants to be a race car driver, well, we don't, we don't race cars you're probably not headed in the right direction. So, but if you want to make things and you want to, you know, you know, use your brain and, you know, be you know, highly engaged in the technology that's out there today with all the computerized equipment and things like that, this is the direction that we'd want, you know, you'd want to go. So that's where, how we kind of came up with the, you know, the, the purpose, pride and passion. When we went back to the purpose part of it, I did a little bit more reflecting on a personal basis and why do I exist? And, you know, I kind of came up with, you know, to love, serve, create, and share with passion. You know, so I so love it, that, Dan. Yeah. And if I can love the people that I'm serving and and I can serve the people that again are serving our customers, and then 
we create jobs, we create, I know we create product, we create, you know, so it all kind of fits. And then the big thing I like to do is share. We pay our people well, we have great benefits. There's a lot of gratitude that we, you know, we try to share. And that part of it, you know, it really fits. And if, if we can all do that with passion, then I think we're in a pretty good spot, you know, regardless of what, of what we're doing. So I presented that to our group and, you know, and says, well, this is kind of what I came up with is, do we have anything that we want to change here? And some of the people were a little uncomfortable with the love word because, because they want, they want to save that word for their more intimate experiences, perhaps. But when you look at love, I mean, you know, love is really kind. It's, you know, it's humble. It's, it's selfless. You know, there's a lot of things about love that, you know, that it works. Absolutely. Works for. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, the serving part of it, I mean, we're, we're a job shop, so we're we do our work as a service, not as a product, you know, not as a product. And uh, the create word that you know that can go any direction. So. so, you were talking about kind of how it came down to you on a personal level, and I think I've shared this story with you, but you may or may not even remember that it actually happening. But I do, and it was clear as day, and it was the first time I had kind of embraced my MS in a public setting in the sense that I was. Like I'm going to bike MS every year, the big bike ride. Normally I would ride here in St. Louis. The weekend it was going to be in St. Louis. I had something going on and this was the first time I had ever ridden it. So what I should say is normally moving forward, I would, I ride it here in St. Louis by a family in Wisconsin. And you guys have, is it the best damn bike ride? I believe because you ride past the lakes and I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll go up and I'll, I'll ride up there and I want to start raising some money and kind of becoming a part of the community. Never when you ride for bike MS, the people who have MS wear the jerseys that say I ride with MS. That was a super empowering weekend for me because I'm seeing all these people doing what they're not supposed to be able to do. If you Google search it, if you listen to the person that knows somebody who has MS, whatever. And I'll never forget I got to a rest stop. I was talking to someone with a I ride with MS shirt. And we were talking and I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm newly diagnosed. Me, I just wanted to introduce myself. It's amazing. And people will be very open. Well, I've had it for seven years. I've had it. And somebody pointed over to, they're like, you need to go talk to Dan over there. And they pointed to you. And I remember I walked over and that's when you told me, you're like, yeah, he's, you're like, the journey's going to be wild. I can't remember exactly what you said, but you told me there were times where couldn't feed yourself, couldn't walk. But that you had done three Ironmans since then. And I'm not kidding you. That was like one of the defining moments that changed my entire life. So anyway, thank you for that. That was just like, that was you doing exactly what you have just talked about in terms of all those things that tie back to servant leadership. Just kind of all the elements of it, I guess. MS is scary. Any, I think any kind of chronic illness, when you get a diagnosis, you don't know what's next. You know, especially like with me, it came on so fast that I couldn't walk within three days. Well, where's this going? Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's the reason why I do what I do with the people with MS. And I was hoping you could touch on that. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing inside your manufacturing facility. But I think this bleeds into the culture of the company. I think these are important things for your employees to see, et cetera. Tell me about what you the project you have going on there. The way I look at it is I've been blessed to be able to get my mobility back to the level that I that I got it back 
you know, to be able to walk, to be able to run, to be able to swim, be able to bike and actually be able to do what I'm able to do. And I think I would be not doing what I'm supposed to be doing if I didn't share that journey with other people with MS. At the health club that I go to about, must be 10, 12 years ago, something like that. They knew my story. They kind of were there with me, you know, walking through it. They asked me, what do you think about us getting an indoor triathlon going with for people with MS and invite people with MS, you know, to come? And I says, well, everybody that I know with MS, you know, either is so disabled or so depressed that I'm not sure we would get people with MS to do that. We decided to go forward anyway. And we, you know, got the word out there and we ended up getting 10 people with MS to do this indoor triathlon. So at that time, it was a 10-week training session. All 10 people during that 10-week training session all made some physical progress. Well, you know what that did mentally and emotionally when you finally can- game changer. It's a game changer. Yeah, when you finally can make some, you know, physical progress. And we did that. Everybody, you know, did well. And then at the end of it, it was done. So there was, you know, nothing else to look forward to. Which, so is that, Im- which is so important, that next thing to look forward to. Right, yeah. So that's where, you know, it just ate at me that year. So we gutted some offices out of our part of our shop, basically. And we set up some stationary bikes and a TV and, you know, kind of got a little area to have some people come with MS to exercise. So, so the second year after the indoor triathlon, we had the kind of the same process, only we had a few more people doing it. But then instead of it being the end and it's done, it was actually the beginning of what we call now call MS Just Keep Moving. So it was just getting people together with MS and then trying to keep encouraging them. And and so now it's how many days a week now? And I mean, you have like a waiting list of people, right? Well, we haven't said no to anybody. Right. But I mean, it's, it's crowded. Yeah, we've got maybe 40 to 60 people that come regularly. Every Wednesday, every Friday. And again, this is not common for a manufacturing place to have people with MS come with their wheelchairs and their walkers. And But we actually, uh, we do that every Wednesday, every Friday, and we have been for the last- uh, That's servant leadership though, Dan. I mean, the that, last that, 10 years. that is servant leadership. Yeah. Well, people give me too much credit for doing that as well, because it takes the whole community. All of it is done on volunteer basis. We don't charge anybody for any of the any of the services that we do for people with MS- it's all volunteers. So it's a, it's a whole community coming together. I mean, people with MS help sure. people with MS. You know, so. Dan, you're a humble guy and I appreciate it. And I, I will respect your you being humble, but I will say none of that happens without you. And obviously the volunteers as well, but you've created the space. You've you've given up space where it's part of your business. You could be making money there. You are you you are doing those things. So I, I will give that credit. I don't expect you to give it to yourself, but I mean- Anyone in this country involved with the MS Society knows about this gym up in Wisconsin, which is pretty dang cool. So, Dan, this has been amazing. If there was one takeaway you want our listeners to kind of leave with, one thing that maybe they could take out of this episode, what would it be? I would say, don't let it be about me. (laughs) Don't let it be about servant leadership, right? You know, it's kind of like, what can I do to help, you know, look in the mirror and say, what can I do to help the next person? How can I make that person's job easy? How can I make that person's job worthwhile? How can I thank people? You know, I agree. I think it's a great way to leave a legacy. I mean, if we can't help other people in life, then what other purpose do we have? I mean, if we can't make someone else's life better, how can our listeners learn more? If somebody wants to know more about 
you, what you're doing, Wisconsin Metal Parts. How can they learn more? Our website is wisconsinmetalparts.com. The MS Group, if you want to learn more about the MS Group, it's msjustkeepmoving.org. In 2018, we did actually turn it into a nonprofit organization. So there's a lot of information out there about living with MS and uh, and you can you know reach me through there. Yeah, we'll get all that in the information in the show notes so that people can have those links, et cetera. Dan, as always, incredible pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time. It means a ton to have you join join us on our first ever episode of the Manufacturing Employer. I knew when I was doing this, I was like, there's one guy I want to be my first guest and, and it was you. I know you know how dark those early days of that diagnosis can be. And you were one of the people that gave me hope and frankly changed my life. It made all the difference. And what's nice that I think you've probably experienced as well is that you can still live your life. You can still run your business. You can still, you know. It's made me better. Yeah. It's made me better. It's been a blessing. In hindsight, it's been a blessing. It took me a long time to understand that. And there are still days where I'm not sure it's a blessing. But (laughs) when I really step back and look at it, I know it's a blessing. So. Well, I know living with MS is not easy. It's not, but the best stories in the world are not easy. Like there's always conflict, right? I think that's what makes the story great. So to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Employer. Until then, put your people first. And thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate it. And it's an honor to be on here. It was great, Dan. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Employer podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.